Tanya for the eighth of Adar is at the is the chapter twenty eight in Tanya on page three sixty six. In the previous Pesach, the Altarebbe explained how if a person is having unholy thoughts or unholy temptations during the weekday activities, rather than being saddened by it, he should rejoice in his successful fulfillment of the commandment of not going astray after the heart and the eyes. And in doing so, he weakens the eight, the sitra achra, the klipa, he subdues it, and he reveals godliness in the world. That's half of the problem. The other half of the problem is when the unholy thoughts occur during davening. Now here, it's not, it's not sufficient to say that he should be happy that he's getting rid of the unholy thought successfully by rejecting it from his mind. Here he's trying to daven and the unholy thought interrupts his davening. So to say, be happy that you successfully get rid of it is, is not going to remove the sadness. He is saddened in that it's disturbing his davening and his learning. So for this, the Alter Rebbe says as follows. Even if these unholy thoughts occur to him during davening, during Aveda, when he's trying to have Kavana, Al Yoshis Levalehen, he should pay no attention to them, Eliasiah Daitimem Kirega, but should get rid of them immediately. The Gam Al Yihishita Lasik Bahaloas Hamid Shalhamakshavazar. He also should not be a fool and try to elevate the the emotion within the unholy thought. Kanaida, as is known, that the emotion behind the thought can be salvaged and elevated and brought back to its source. It's almost as if the holiness within the unholy thought comes to the person begging to be released because the holiness or the emotion, which is basically a neutral and kosher thing, is trapped within unholiness, in the klipa. So the unholiness, for example, of, of love and affection, when it comes in the form of an unholy thought, so that emotion is trapped in the unholiness, and it comes to the person asking to be elevated, to be released from its unholy shell, from its unholy klipa. But here the Alter Rebbe says to, to the Benini, don't be a fool and try to elevate the emotion from the unholy thought. Because such things were said only for tzaddikim. That a tzaddik can elevate the emotion, the, the neutral, kosher emotion, be, with, that is trapped within the unholy thought, the unholy klipa. Where does the tzaddik get unholy thoughts? so that he could elevate the emotion within them. And why is only the tzaddik able to do it? Since the tzaddik doesn't have his own unholy thoughts. His heart and his eyes don't produce unholy thoughts. Where then does the tzaddik hear an unholy thought? He hears it in others. He picks up on the unholy thoughts of others, of the people around him. And then, 
it is the holiness coming to the tzaddik in its klipa and asking to be elevated, asking to be released. And that's not any different than the average Jew who comes to the Rebbe, goes into Yechidus, for example, and asks the Rebbe to help him become a mensch. So he's coming to the Rebbe with his klipa, in his klipa, and he's asking the Rebbe to get him out, to release him from his klipa. So the tzaddi gets his un, gets the unholy thought, not from his own heart and, and eyes, from his from his condition, but rather from somebody else, and that's why he is able to elevate them. He takes the unholy thought that somebody else has and elevates the emotion within the unholy thought to his level. That's called elevating. But the person, the Benini, in whom the unholy thought comes from his own heart, from the left side of his heart, from his own animal soul, So how can he elevate the emotion within the thought to a higher place when he himself is not in a higher place? He himself is producing the unholy thought. And so the Benini shouldn't try, should make no attempt to salvage the emotion within the unholy thought, but to reject it completely with both hands. Ah, afal pikein, the problem is still a question of sadness. How does he avoid being saddened by it? So that Abba says that in, in spite of all of this, al yipe he should not feel downhearted. to feel saddened and embarrassed. Of, ashamed of himself during the davening because it has to be done with great joy the service of God and so to allow himself to feel the sadness or to feel embarrassed or ashamed of himself would would destroy the joy so he shouldn't allow that to happen he should instead strengthen himself and he should draw all his strength and and put it into the davening, into the kavana, with a greater joy and a greater gladness. Where is he going to get this joy from or this gladness from? What does he have to be happy about? When he takes to heart, when he realizes that this unholy thought is coming from the klipa, from the left side of the heart, this animal soul in the Benini is at war with the godly soul. That's the, that's the condition of a Benini. And it is known that it is the way of combatants or of wrestlers. These are the two types of klipa. The combatants is the klipa, the Yetzirah, for that which is prohibited. For an Aveda. An Aveda is a dangerous thing. It's a it's an enemy, a mortal enemy. And then there's the wrestlers, that's the that's the Yetzahada for permissible things, where it's a question not of life and death, of, of, of good and evil, but a question of indulgence in the permissible that is that drags you down. Like wrestlers. So it is known that it is the way of the combatants, whether it's soldiers or wrestlers 
דת קשר האחד מסגבר, אזי השני מסעמס להסגבר גם כן, בכל מאמצי ככי. That when one of them becomes determined, when one of them is gaining the upper hand, then the other one exerts himself and marshals all of his strength and, and um, becomes more determined to, to resist. And therefore, So when the godly soul is being determined in its davening, and it's gathered all its strength into the davening, so he's davening successfully, then the klipa, the animal soul, also becomes more determined. To an unholy thought of its own. Like it's always alone, and it is not as the popular mistake, the mistaken notion. Shetoyim lehechiyach, those who who want to mistakenly prove min nefilas hamachshavazodo from the fact that this unholy thought occurred that michlal sheint filosam klum that that indicates or that shows that the davening was worthless or insincere to begin with. And, and the argument is that that if they had been davening properly and correctly then then he wouldn't have had the unholy thoughts and they would have been correct it would have been true if he had only one soul if there was only one soul, and it is this soul that is both davening and thinking unholy thoughts, then it would be a good indication. Then the argument would be solid. If you were really davening, if your heart and mind were really immersed in the kavan of the davening, then there wouldn't be any room for an unholy thought. But since there are, but that's only if there was one soul, because one soul can't be producing holiness and unholiness at the same time. But the truth is that that there are two souls that are battling with each other in the person's mind. Each one of them wishes and desires. Each one of the souls wants to rule the mind and wants to fill the mind exclusively. So all thoughts of Taira, all thoughts of godliness, comes from the Nefesh Olikis, and all worldly thoughts come from the animal soul. Only the godly soul is clothed within the animal soul, like a person who is riding on a horse, if the horse bolts, if the horse starts to run away, the, the rider is dragged along with it. So the, the godly soul is clothed within the animal soul. So where the animal soul goes, what the animal soul thinks, it drags the godly soul with it. The whole So this predicament where the Bainani finds himself distracted by unholy thoughts coming from the animal soul that is marshalling all its strength 
to resist or to counter the intensity of the godly soul's davening, what can we compare this to? So a person who is davening with kavon, and standing next to him is a oral, who, a wicked non-Jew, and he is making conversation and talking to him in order to distract him. Then the solution would certainly be that he shouldn't respond to him positive or negative. He should make like he were deaf and doesn't hear. Because if he does respond, whatever the response is, the distractor will have succeeded. And he fulfills the advice, follows the advice that is given in Mishli. That you shouldn't answer a fool in his foolishness lest you become like him. In the same way, he should not respond with any kind of argument at all against this unholy thought, against the Mahshavazara. Because if you wrestle with, one, with someone who is filthy, you become filthy yourself. Instead, he should make like he doesn't hear and he doesn't know these these unholy thoughts and remove them completely from his mind. And he should put more strength, more energy into his concentration. And if it finds that it's very difficult, he can't get them out of his mind, these unholy thoughts. Have taken hold and, and distract him with, with great intensity. Then he should throw himself at God's mercy. He should humble himself before God. And he should plead with God in his thought, since he's in the middle of davening, he does it in his thought, that God should have pity on him with his abundant pity, abundant compassion. Because here a person is stuck in unholiness. He can't get rid of his unholy thoughts. And yet he's asking God for help. It seems like a great chutzpah. So the Alter Rebbe says that he's turning to God based on the knowledge that God's compassion is abundant. He can have compassion even over such a person. And the reason, like a father takes pity on his children, not necessarily because the children deserve, but because the children come from him, from his brain. And in the same way, he asks and pleads with God to have pity on his neshama. Because the neshama comes from God to rescue the neshama from these turbulent waters, the unholy thoughts. Because God's people are literally a part of Him. And so, for the sake of the neshama, and by the, by the worth of the neshama, He pleads with God 
to help him get out of this unholy obsession, the unholy thought that is obsessing his mind. In the Hayyim Yayim, for the eighth of Adar, the Rebbe writes that the Altarebbe Tamol Rangilus na Yungeman from the Maggid Talmidim. The Altarebbe once called in a young man who was a student of the Maggid. And he said, with the uh, nigun, with which the Alter Rebbe used to speak, he used to speak in a sing-song voice. He said, I have a mitzvah of teaching Torah to my children. You have a mitzvah to support and feed your family. Let's exchange mitzvahs. I will pay you so that you'll be able to fulfill your mitzvah of feeding and supporting your family. And you teach my son, be my son's teacher. The son was the Mittelerebbe. And he explained to him the order of the, of the study, of the teaching. The first thing you teach a child is olive base, the letters. Vos is an olive. A pinta lefonaven. An olive is a dot on above, on the top. A pinta lefonunten. A dot on the bottom. A kav beemta and a line in the middle. Thus is an olive. A kin musvisen. A child needs to know. A der olive von teira. That the first letter of teira. In other words, the basic principle of Torah is that Yud von Oven, that Yud von Unten, mit dem Kav von dem Munna was behefte. There's a Yud above and a Yud below, and a line of a Munna, a faith that connects them. The Yud above is God, and the Yud below is the Yid, and the Munna that connects God, the Jew, to, to the Ebishtim. And there's another version of the story that the Alter Rebbe said, Ayud lemaila, dosed the neshama, Ayid lemata, dosed the guf, unakav shel yira shemayim beemter. That the yud above is not the ebishter, but the neshama, and the yud below is the body, and the line in the middle is the line of yira shemayim that brings together body and soul.